Young on the one that back calling me splurge. Drop me jump right out the curb. Bentley spread fly like a bird. Spin on the first and the third. All right, back here on the Sports Grind, Calvin Casey, Jonas Clark producing and spinning the one and twos. Today's show is being presented by Dos Equis, and we are broadcasting here from the Maestro de Bell Tequila Studios. Um, all right, keeping it moving. Before we move on, let me finish and wrap up my point as I was going to the break um, when we are talking about Micah Parsons and his comments on, on the podcast. Um, look. You know, it, it, I, I was watching post game last night, and and Kelsey was saying that pretty much after the game that hey, it's up to the veterans to right the ship, get everybody focused in, and how to improve every week. Knock, you know, knock, you know, cut out, you know, the old cliche, block out the outside noise and stuff. But then, even before getting up this morning and reading this on Micah Parsons, I was sitting there listening to Kelsey. I'm like, okay. But, you know, you're doing a podcast every week, okay? Your brother is running amok everywhere. When I look at Micah Parsons, it's like, you know, and again, and let me just separate the two. And this is the reason why, I and I, again, I'm just cut from a different cloth, but I've always gravitated to those guys that are so tunnel vision that basically of what they're trying to accomplish, if it costs you relationships, friendships, maybe sometimes family. I've always gravitated to those dudes because if I gotten older going through this journey, that's how I kind of operate. Now, the problem I the, the the difference in Kelsey's defense, both of them, even his brother Travis, and their to in their defense, and especially his brother last night, they're like at the 15th, 16th green of their career. This might be Kelsey's last year with Philly. He might retire. So them getting about their brand and like, Hey, we're brothers. We're going to do this podcast there. I can kind of give that Micah Parsons just getting started. And I just do feel that it's hard to sit there and really say, look, they've got to have a life outside of football. I'm all about that. That's fine. But it comes to a point and get your money outside the, the, the field, because this is some of these podcasts that are popping up everywhere that's what it's about for a lot of these players. I mean, their agents, their handlers saying like, hey, do you know what? If you got on social media, you got a podcast, you know how much more advertising dollars we can get if you get so many followers? That's kind of really what's going on. But when that's all being pulled, how focused are you really? And especially if you're one of the best players and the leader on the team, how, how is it? I mean, how, how are you accomplishing that? Because if you look at in the past, I mean, uh, Tom Brady. I mean, Tom Brady – the closest thing that he did when he was playing, and I will tell you, this probably didn't start until after ring number five. Um, he did a weekly segment with Jim Gray. And it was kind of affiliated with Westwood One and all that. But that's Jim Gray, even though I'm not a big fan of Jim Gray. That's Jim Gray. And Tom did it once a week. But Tom already had like five rings. He was already under the the Patriots, Bill uh, Bill Belichick. You know, do your job, stay focused. He was he didn't start doing that till later. So I just think it's that's the balance with some of these younger athletes. And you know, how are you going to manage working on your brand? Because they all want to do that. I mean, the guys that are coming to the NFL, whether it's from college, they're coming from college basketball to the pros. Everybody's all these young men already have a brand already. 
They've already got millions of social media followers. They've already got. So you're juggling all that. But to me, if you're sitting here um, coming off of, of almost 300 yards on the ground, you gave up. And you're kind of on your podcast wondering and sitting there, which is totally it's his opinion. But in my opinion, he's false. It's not the narrative. Sit there and worrying about how former athletes go out their way to root against Dallas to fail. To me, in my opinion, you're not 100 percent all the way in. OK, um, there was, a, you know, um, and I totally forgot it was coming on. I saw the previews. Uh, started seeing the previews a couple weeks ago, uh, but I stumbled on it last night and couldn't go to bed until I finished it. And it was the 30 for 30 on um, Reggie White, um, Minister Defense. Yeah, I, I learned some things about Reggie. I mean, a lot of that stuff, I lived through it. I can remember it. Uh, you know, the controversy, even that, the whole free agent uh, courting uh, that he went through uh, when he won uh, when he sued the league and, and helped players before him, I mean, after him and current players to really get free agency. You know, a lot of people don't know that, but there was, you know, Reggie, you know, Reggie White started that for in the NFL. I mean, Kurt Flood in baseball got it popping in what we know of as free agency. But in football, Johnny B. Lately, when it comes to the owners having control, they were late behind the ball and Reggie White had to sue the league to get that in motion. The reason why I'm bringing them up is because when you look at that, and even if you know, I mean, Reggie White was all about his religion and serving the man and the Lord, why he was playing football and, and going to preaching sermons and stuff like that. And he's one of the best. And, you know, J.J. Watt says he thinks he's the best defensive player ever. You know, they, he, he made a cameo. It was very interesting. But the point is, this day in athlete, it's just a little bit different. Because when you talk about a Reggie White, that was something that was driven by passion and faith and believe, he believe. It wasn't really for a check. You know, later on after he won the Super Bowl, then things kind of started changing. He started thinking more of the business aspect, the brand, getting Chunky Campbell's soup, all that. That came after Reggie put a ring on in Green Bay. Different times, different life we live in. I totally agree. I totally get it, and I understand it. Don't mean I, I care about it, but care for it. But it is what it is. But Mike has just had a lot to say. And it, and it seems like he makes news after every after the 49ers beat down. He trended for saying that we beat ourselves. They didn't really beat us. And that we came in here and talked about that. And then now after another beat down with Buffalo, you're trending and making news going after former players that are now in the media. And I'm thinking, like, if you come in as the former player, what's your ass being a current player trying to be part of the media? Because that's what you're doing, too, with the podcast. You know, and that's what a lot of these players are doing. And Jonas, I was talking to doing a break about the explosion, which I think is getting watered down, too, with many players and athletes having podcasts now. But the, re the reality of it is, too, the hidden agenda, they're trying to control the narrative. From the Stephen A. Smiths of the world, the Skip Bayless of the world, the Colin Cowherds of the world. They're, they're trying to control their narrative. So let me get out and say this is false or whatever. And the platform and technology and social media has allowed them to do that. 877-37-GRIND. All right, moving on the NFL, sticking with the NFL news. Uh, the team in Colorado, the Denver Broncos, who are coming off of a beatdown of their own in the Motor City. Uh, we touched on it a little bit yesterday, broke down the game, and just said if you didn't listen to yesterday's show, you can go check the podcast. But I talked about how there's levels to everything. What that shows Saturday night, to me, in my opinion, roster-wise uh, and talent-wise, they're not on the level of Detroit right now. What you see in Detroit, that's three years of 
building and building and drafting and having draft picks is what you get. It's a lot of speed. Um, but the major story out of that was the confrontation, if you want to call it that, between Sean Payton and Russell Wilson on the sideline. Now, yesterday, I didn't know this. Jonas had brought it to my attention. Uh, but Michael Irvin, um, I guess, had some uh, real problems with Sean Payton chastising Russ like that on national television and in front of cameras. Um, if you don't have the terms, I could, you got it. Let me. I was going to paraphrase, but go ahead and just read uh, some of his quotes in regards to what he said about that incident that took place Saturday night. Yeah, from yesterday's uh, Undisputed on FS1, um, and this transcript from Sports Illustrated. Uh, Michael Irvin said, this is, quote, this is the social media era. Russell Wilson, his family, his wife, going to see this every day on social media. Why would you stir that up like this? This is what we mean when we ask coaches, quote, are you ready to coach in this era? End quote. Because players ain't going to have that, and they're not going to have that lasting forever on social media, being berated like that. I've never seen you do it. I don't care how upset you got. i never seen you do that to Drew Brees. Um, I didn't see this on uh, Fox, on the Undisputed. I didn't see it. Like I said, Jones gave me this information. Um yesterday um after the show or doing the show i didn't feel like getting into it yesterday but um look i like i didn't like michael Irvin when he played because i couldn't stand the dallas cowboys i grew more respect for michael Irvin and and his what he's trying to do post his career in regards to getting in tv his knowledge the way he is i mean i like michael Irvin. um but the reality of it is he's in my opinion he's wrong on this one and 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 to me, and as we talk early in these couple first segments about players in the media and players and podcasts and what they're doing and why are they doing it and are they focused? Well, the other thing we can add to the conversation, a lot of these former players, future Hall of Fame former players, I mean, excuse me, current Hall of Fame players, not all, but some, they get in the media and they f- kind of have a tend of having amnesia on how it was or really the coaches they played for and how it was when they played. And I get it. We're different. Um, I totally disagree to blanket the whole NFL players union or players in the national football league that can't be hand that can't handle in your face coaching. And, and to me, you know, what's crazy to me, I bet you if you went back and found some clips last year, when Michael Irvin was either on the NFL network or he was doing a radio interview or whatever the case may be. And the subject of Russell Wilson came up about the chatter that was coming out of the locker rooms about the situation in Denver last year and how teammates really looked at Russ and the situation about, Oh, Russ has a private parking spot. Russ asked for an office. He has his own office. I I promise you, Michael Irvin at that time had probably some negative things about saying, not really attacking Russell Wilson, but what I'm saying is being like, well, yeah, you know, you can't really have that. You got to be one of one. And he played for a coach that didn't lie to you and say, look, uh, it's about there's levels to this. This is about how you perform. If I can cut you for being late or falling asleep in a meeting, the great Jimmy Johnson. But my point is that Pete, and it's just not Mike. I mean, for people 
that have this notion with Sean with Russ. It's like, this is what, what did y'all expect? I mean, this is one of those situations to where he was hired to fix the Broncos and Russell Wilson. And he's done a pretty good job of it so much in his first year with really no draft picks last year and not being able to call his offense. So for whatever the conversation was between him and Russ or what Russ did to piss him off, whether it was checking out at the line of scrimmage, hurrying up and not giving the team enough opportunity to see if they won the challenge, or if he's just using him example like, hey, I'm pissed off because honestly I've been wanting to stop fumbling. You fumbled the ball and you threw an interception and fumbled the ball at the beginning of Houston, and then you basically did it now and look what happened. All that could have been built up. But the fact of it is, and trust me, I, I, when Mike brings up Drew Brees, I know where Mike's going. I know where he's trying to go. It's And, 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 and to me, I, like you know me, I'll call it fair regardless if it's a popular opinion against my community or if it's a negative opinion against my community. It's how I feel, and I'm always going to keep it 100 with you. And the truth of it is, I'm not, no, this ain't got that way where I feel like, well, you see this happen to Drew Brees. Man, look, it ain't about, oh, this is Sean Payton and he's yelling at the black quarterback. Nah, man, not this. Russ begged to get Sean Payton as a coach. He called Drew Brees damn near five or ten times a week from what I heard. Because Russ and Drew has had a relationship. He wanted this. He wanted to be coach. Now, I'm not telling you that Sean Payton can go and just address everybody and just yell at him or yell at, you know, Judy or let it just get in their face every week. And he's going to have players love him and play for him. But I have enough confidence in Sean and have paid attention to his career and knowing where he the tree he comes from. He knows when and he knows when to lay in and he knows where to lay off. I don't think Sean coaches everybody the same. And there's nothing wrong with that. But I think, no, Mike, Mike's in the wrong with that. And to me, it is what it is. And it's a nice segue to my other point that I wanted to get to uh, because I didn't really touch on this yesterday when I talked about even during the five-game winning streak and they were winning the six and seven, I kept coming here and say the way they were playing and the way they were winning, I said that decision in March is a big decision still with Russell Wilson. And it still leans to this day. And these Because I don't think the decision has really been made all the way. But I have think that there's been decisions way before the winning streak started, maybe even before the season started, about the options if they decide to move on from Russ. Because Sean is not running his system, and he's not in a situation where it is structured to where if he runs up in a game where they just can't stop the run and they're going against a quarterback, whether it's golf, whoever, that gets hot, and they, they're throwing touchdowns here – He's got to have somebody in that realm that's suited to run his offense to be able to play in a game like that. And the truth of the matter is, I mean, that is a big decision that's looming in March. And the truth of it is, these last three games, it's a big test on Russ and the team. It's a big rush. It's a it's a big rush, a big test for him. And and honestly, I'm looking more forward to that decision then I really am seeing if this team is going to sneak in at the final spot or not in the playoffs. Because I believe you are what your record is, and I just believe when you start off one and five, there's a reason why it doesn't really happen. Because that is just too much of a hill to climb. And then also when you get, and I've said it before, it's like being down 20 points in an NBA game. You can get it back within four or three, or you can go up by one, then all of a sudden that team goes on a 10 or 12 0 run. Oh, thank you for the effort because you spent so much energy and trying to get back in the basketball game. They spent so much energy in a room for margin for error, starting one and five. It, it's, you know, it's going to be tough. But but I still, I defended them yesterday, and I defend them today. I had no problem the way 
that he he's an old school coach, man. He's been in the NFL coaching for over 30 years, you know, and, and I just don't believe that you've got to have this notion because of social media and because everything's on camera. Oh, don't do this because this could hurt Russell's brand. Sierra might get upset. They just had a newborn. Damn that, man. Like when you babysit, you know, like, you know, I was the youngest. OK, so I a lot of me, my mom had a lot of people babysitting me. OK, whether well, it was my either one of my sisters usually was babysitting me. My brother's already out. You start to babysit your little brother, your little sister for a while and you keep having to babysit them when they do those little things and you feel like, damn, I've had to call you and mom and dad keeps throwing you snap. And the bottom line of it is for 15 weeks, Sean Payton has babysat Russell Wilson and trying to get the best of what his skill set, where he's at and helping this team win ball games. And it bowled over Saturday night. Move on. Move on. Because I don't know yet. And I don't know if anybody in that building 100 percent yet knows that Russ is moving on with the organization or not in 2024. There's a lot besides a playoff spot to still be played for for Denver and Colorado for the next three weeks. You'll listen to the sports grind. Today's show is being presented by Dos Equis. Get a dose. We are broadcasting here from the Maestro de Bell Tequila Studios. Calvin Casey, Jonas Clark producing, spinning the one and twos. We'll be back. Texas summers can get hot, but now they're blazing with the new Zing Zang Blazing Bloody Mary Mix. The latest addition to the Zing Zang lineup brings the same great bold and delicious taste that you already know, only much hotter. Shake things up with Zing Zang Blazing Bloody Mary Mix made with premium ingredients and crafted for a bold and savory taste, whether with your favorite vodka or with the pre-mixed ready-to-drink cans. Zing Zang, America's favorite Bloody Mary and an official sponsor of the sports grind. Please Zing Zang responsibly. For more than a century, the Pendleton Roundup has defined what it means to be a cowboy. It also gave life to something equally renowned, Pendleton Whiskey, capturing that unique spirit in every bottle and honoring the enduring legacy of the American West. Pendleton Whiskey is made with the finest northern grains and cut with Mount Hood Glacier water, a whiskey that celebrates the cowboy in all of us. That's Pendleton Whiskey. That's true Western tradition. Pendleton is the official whiskey of the PBR Tour. Pendleton Distillers, Lawrenceburg, Indiana. Please drink responsibly. Pendleton Whiskey, official sponsor of the sports grind. Are you moving around the greater San Antonio area? Choose the storage experts. Tiger Moving and Storage. Whether you're moving an office or the whole family, Tiger Moving and Storage offers container drop-off and delivery with efficient, prompt, and cost-effective service. To learn more and to secure your portable storage container today, go to choosetiger.com. Tiger Moving and Storage, official sponsor of the sports grind. All right, back here on the Sports Grind, Calvin Casey, Jonas Clark producing his pin of the one and twos, broadcasting here from the Maestro de Bell Tequila Studios, 87737-GRIND. And this next segment is going to be sponsored by Pendleton Whiskey. All right, keep in mind, Pendleton Whiskey is an oak barrel aged whiskey distilled in Canada using the finest ingredients before bottling glacier-fed spring waters added from Mount Hood, Oregon's highest peak. Pinlin Whiskey delivers an uncommonly smooth taste and a rich, complex flavor. And keep in mind, Pinlin Whiskey is the official spirit of the Pro Rodeo Cowboy Association, and it's an official whiskey of the Professional Bull Riding Tour, which is the PBR Velocity Tour, and it's an official whiskey of the Sports Grind. 
877-37-GRIND. All right, so uh, keeping it moving, um, just sticking here with the NFL uh, theme. Um, first of all, you know, in the NFL, the player, this is something that I kind of wanted to uh, touch on. Um, couple injury notes, though, first. Trevor Lawrence is in concussion protocol. Um, I think maybe you would have mentioned that yesterday, too. Um that's definitely going to add a little juice to their home stretch. I mean, again, you know, I don't anticipate the NFL getting loosey-goosey just because there are spots on the line in regards to how they've treated most quarterbacks, if all of them, that has gone into – and even players that have gone into concussion protocol. Um, I think you might be able to count on maybe two or three fingers how many guys have actually played in the same week that they went into protocol this whole year. Um, So that is something that's going to be interesting as the week goes on to see how that plays out Uh, because they haven't really even sewed up the AFC South yet. We kind of touched on that yesterday. Also, Jamar Chase uh, is out indefinitely and expected to miss extended time because of his shoulder injury. Um, Now, Cincinnati is one of the deeper teams at the wide receiver position. Uh, you know, you still have Higgins and guys, but you are playing with a backup in Brownie and Jamar Chase. Um, that's a big weapon to lose uh, going down the stretch, especially when you have a division game this weekend, even though it's against what it looks like a pedestrian when it comes to the Pittsburgh Steelers. Uh, they're going back to Mason Rudolph this weekend, uh, which I'm surprised that Trubisky got the second start, to be honest with you. I'm surprised that Mike Tomlin and the staff didn't really go to Trubisky this past week um, against Indianapolis, but hindsight's 2020. Um, but they're making a move now to uh, Rudolph. Another move is that Atlanta, Jonas and I was just talking about this during the break, Atlanta is making another quarterback change. They're going with Heineke. Taylor Heineke is going in for Ritter. Now, Jonas and I had some discussions. I mean, technically, yes. I mean, I look at it, this is the second time he's been benched. I mean, regardless what we do know, Atlanta is not sold and very high on Ritter. And I don't think anybody was. I know I wasn't. I saw him at Cincinnati uh, as a Bearcat. I didn't, nothing jumped out of the screen with me that he was an NFL Sunday guy. Now, just what my policy goes, I'm not going to throw away Ritter just after, you know, two seasons or a season and a half of what I've saw of him. You know, he came in off the bench to, you know, dispel Mariota last year. But I would say, you know, if he does with a different coach, just to have different scenery. But we do know Atlanta's going to be in the market for a quarterback. And Jonas was bringing it to my attention about an article. You said it was Yahoo, uh, Jonas? Uh, yeah, Yahoo Sports. Mm-hmm. Uh, talking about potential landing spots for Justin Fields if Chicago elects to move on from him. Yeah, I think if Chicago, I mean, the uh, we don't have to go through the list, but I know Atlanta should be on there. They're on that list. I think everybody that's, you know, Stevie Wonder could see that. I think Atlanta is a spot for Justin Fields. It's a spot that he knows that he would go into that he would be the face of the franchise and he would be the quarterback of the Atlanta Falcons going forward. Um, Now the question is going to be with that, is Arthur Smith going to survive? And I think I alluded to this yesterday on Friday. I can't remember, but I am not – 
I'm not, I have mixed emotions and mixed thoughts on Arthur. Um, I don't, I, I don't feel comfortable saying either way that he's a bad coach or he, they need to move on. And I don't feel good saying, no, he's a good coach. They just need more talent. I just don't know. He, not, nothing has jumped out. What I do know is that I do, um, give him some demerits for having a skilled player set such as a Kyle Pitts and a B. John Robinson, and you can't really utilize for either one of those guys to really be that prosperous. I know, you know, B. John Robinson has had some spots this year. Um, he's had some bright spots here and there. Now, the one thing I will say in Arthur's defense when it comes to B. John Robinson uh, he's put the ball a little bit quite more often than he should on the on on the on the turf this year. He had a crucial fumble in the Carolina game this past Sunday. Now, granted, it was wet conditions because uh, I don't give a damn if it was a monsoon. They're supposed to win that game, uh, but I just feel Arthur is one of those. And even though I've always said Arthur Blank is one of my favorite owners, and he's very patient, but I think it's a fifty fifty chance whether they he comes back for a third year or not, especially if you're going to be in talks if Chicago decides to move on, which I think they are, for Justin Fields. But Atlanta, out of all teams, need to make that move. That's just a no-brainer um, from a X's and O's standpoint and from a business standpoint. Um, like, you know, let's – I mean, keep it real with you. I mean, it's – you know, Arthur Blank, you know, what he experienced um, on the field and cash revenue-wise by having Michael Vick in that experience being an African-American quarterback for that team in a city where it's 70-plus African-American – that that means that that's that's something that's taken into whether people don't like to hear that, whether it's reality. And that's the reason why I give Matt Ryan. I told Jonas is doing break. That's why I gave Matt Ryan so much credit, because Matt Ryan went in a tough situation having to fill in the shoes for Michael Vick. Forget about what Michael you know did brought on from himself, the dogfight, the two years he had to do. He, he was he was a god in Atlanta. Damn near. And I think when you look at it, if you've got a player such as Justin Fields that has that skill set, uh, no, I don't think he's ever going to be as dynamic as a Michael Vick, but due to the fact that he's young and you can get him in and you don't really have an answer right now and you can kill two birds with one stone, I'm making that move yesterday. And I know Jonas asked me during the break, what do you think that you, what, you know, what would I give up for a – Justin Fields, or what's the value? What's that the value? Chicago could expect. I, I think what Chicago. I think rightfully so. Chicago is going to try to get a first round pick for Justin Fields, but I don't think they're going to succeed at that because automatically, what GM in the NFL is going to give up a first round pick for Justin Fields when everybody and their mama knows Chicago wants to unload him anyway. And you're going to have the number one pick. So why am I giving you a first rounder? So I think what the value is going to be is I think it's going to be around possibly maybe two twos, which in some books that equals to a one. But I can see Atlanta or any other team be willing to part ways for two second round picks and maybe a third or fourth mix in there. But a one, 
like a straight up one first round pick or two. No, they're not getting that for Justin Fields, but I think you can get him for at least a two or two twos, in my opinion. I think that's where it'll be. What do you got? Well, in a similar situation, I mean, we, we can look back at the uh, what the Trey Lance situation. Um, if I'm correct me if I'm wrong, because I, I feel like I am. He he was not traded to Dallas. He was released. Um, no, I think he was traded for a bag of popcorn. I mean, they didn't give too much, but I think it was it was a trade. All right, let me double check that one. I but think it was. While I'm while I'm double checking that one, uh, yes. Uh, so that was. Let me see here. I've got CBS from August. Uh, that was he was a fourth rounder. Yeah. So if you're talking about, uh, you're saying that he was more valuable. Oh yes. Justin Fields. Oh, way more valuable. Okay. Way more valuable. Yeah. I mean, Trey had. I mean, look, Trey had. <laughs> I mean, he had less than twenty starts in college, and he had hardly any starts. In San Fran, and he got hurt, and he suffered a major injury. Um, and there's just not enough tape out there on on Sundays to really value and say Trey Lance was a. And I'm not saying that's what you're saying, but Trey Lance is a more value. Yeah, Justin Fields, we've seen what he's done last year. We've seen what he's done even in this last three stretches. I just think it's coaching. I mean, I'm not telling you Justin Fields is 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 ever going to have a yellow jacket, but I do believe he has the skill set to be a starting quarterback in the year 2024 and beyond the way the NFL is at. I mean, he's got talent, but it's the circumstances that's not going to warrant him, and or I should say, not going to warrant Chicago, in my opinion, receiving a first round return. You got to move him. It's like having that disgruntled player NBA player even though Justin and, and honestly what also makes Justin very attractive look how he's handled this class professional never complain no one he didn't have the weapons really around him yeah they try to get DJ more informed but he knows what the deal is and he's never complained and I think that's going to go a long way with GMs that are going to be trying to get him. But no, definitely more upside than Trey and a better quarterback, uh, you know, than, than Trey right now. I mean, Trey would have to do a lot to get caught up to to even get to Justin Fields. And the only way that's happening if he gets on the field somewhere and don't look like he's going to be in Dallas. Uh, but, um, you know, that's kind of where it is. Because honestly, I always thought in the back of my mind that, uh, that uh, Jerry kind of made that move for Intel. <laughs> More than anything. I mean, yes, you get them for cheap. You know, Dak goes, you know, and also it was a negotiation chip, a leverage against Dak because Dak is him and his agent. You got in credit. There's some there's some shrewd negotiators. And I think Jerry, they kind of got the best of Jerry first round and they about to do this dance here pretty soon again. And I think that had a little bit to do with it, too. What do you got? So bringing it back to the Falcons, Mm -hmm. uh, who you feel like definitely should go get fields after the season. Uh, Do you feel like Heineke now? Because we talked yesterday uh com. check the podcast about the the playing out for the south and how the falcons are technically still alive the buccaneers are sitting there on top of the division just at 7-7 and the falcons are right behind them is this also a chasing down because are they benching ritter because they can see the potential for qualifying well i think that might have somewhat to do with it i mean i, I think also is arthur understands his job can be on the line too the only thing that if the if a decision is already made in the building about you as a head coach, 
if you're getting down to where you're not mathematically eliminated yet and you're looking at a performance issue that's been shaky at the main position, the quarterback position, you're going to try whatever you can to try to win some of those games down the stretch or try to qualify because that's going to go a long way in persuading that decision from the owner or the GM about your future, your faith. It's a lot easier to keep Arthur's, even if they're going to move on, which they, they need a quarterback. Ritter's not the dude. I didn't think he was the dude in Cincinnati. And truthfully, Heineke, same thing I said in the top of the hour. It's different coming off the bullpen, man, for that fifth inning release, a relief. It's different coming in Mario Rivera style out of the bullpen with Metallica and her Sandman playing. It's a different level, man. That's why I feel that Heineke say he's not the future either. Now, I think in Heineken defense, Heineken win won a playoff game, then went ahead and went toe-to-toe with Tom Brady in a playoff game. He's got some experience, but he's not the future. So they don't have it on the roster. So if it ain't Justin Fields, it's going to be somebody. But, um, no, I think Jonas definitely that decision of go back to Heineke is trying. They feel like they give him the best this opportunity to succeed. And and I've watched majority of that Tampa, believe it or not, that uh, Carolina and Atlanta game. And Ritter, I mean – I know it was tough conditions, but you can't you can't fumble the ball at that point of that game. I mean, you can't. And he's turned over the ball before, and he just doesn't have enough wow and a juice to really be there. I mean, the only good bright point, like I've been bringing it up every time his name we bring his name up, is that you know you took him in the fourth round. It's really no loss. I mean, yeah, you don't want to burn through fourth round picks. You can find some value in fourth round, but it's not like you drafted or moved up to get Ritter. 877-37 grind. Before we leave the NFL scene, uh, another thing I did want to touch on, because uh, we didn't spend too much time on it yesterday, uh, but I know it kind of parlayed over today because you had some comments from the GOAT, speaking of Tom Brady. Um, that was about Pittsburgh Steelers uh, cornerback being suspended. DeMonte, uh, what is it, Case? KZ. KZ, DeMonte KZ. Um, he was suspended for the rest of the season, meaning if Pittsburgh, if Tomlin would pull a rabbit out the hat and they would get a sneak in the playoffs, he wouldn't be there for the playoffs as well. Um, first off, um, you know, I've talked about this with Kareem Jackson, which comes back this week, by the way, um, and where the league is at. Uh, with this, um, what they've asked the players to do. To me, um, I would like the focus, before we get to Tom's comments about this, I would like the focus really to shift. I mean, if we want a better quality game and we want refereeing to, quote-unquote, be more consistent, I would sit there and say, let's use the energy to hold the NFL accountable to teaching these dudes and having seminars and show how do you uh, what do you do in this situation? How do you really want us to tackle if it plays out? It's easy to sit there and say, just don't don't launch. Don't go for the helmet. OK, but no, just don't do that. And then you get into real life, real game situations and you've got a receiver that's coming and meeting and all of a sudden you're coming to go ahead and put a shoulder down or dislodge him from the ball, but then he decides to dip and then part of your helmet hits the head. What are you going to do with that when these dudes are running four, five, four, six? And then the trickle down effect is that puts the pressure on the referees 
who are really looking for this and knowing that, hey, we've got to we're going to protect the players. We've got this. Oh, well, by the way, I've got to also pay attention to this. It it adds to the whole situation of the refs of how hard it is for them to be consistent and how each ref and each crew can interpret it how the league wants them. And this is this what the league is wanting me to stop? So I'd rather go that energy to do that because it's tough. And it is it's just getting like at the end of the day, man, it is a collision sport. Okay, and 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 that's just what it is. And, you know, I was listening to Shannon Sharp this morning on first take. And it's crazy because he was saying that, you know, which I never heard anybody put it like that. He just said, hey, at the time, the NFL, what they want to do, it was pretty much a a sport about survival. Like, can you leave the field? Can you get off the field at the four quarters? Because it was really no holes barred where they have had these rule changes, which I think the root of it is still more about making the game more watchable offensively wise. Because I really want to go to bat to some of these defensive, (laughs) you know, pass interference calls in regards to what it is by the letter of the law. Instead of like, can we just give the guys, the cornerbacks some breaks? But it's more of like he said, you know, that play and those plays are – you're taught back then, which is a different game, but you're taught to dislodge the player from the ball. And that's just where football was at the time. And I know we're not there anymore. It's the rules. But I think that the NFL doesn't do as much as they can when it comes to actually demonstrating for players and coaches. And I'm talking just like how you have symposiums about, hey, man, you know, you only need two cars, I mean, one car twice the most. Nothing's, you know, all them speeches Hearn was given, hey, control your money, watch your money, you know, watch out for the scammers. They need to be having those same seminars and teaching coaches and players, this is what we're looking for and this is what we do. And if that's situation, this is how we want you to act. Because a lot of these people are writing these rules up that's never played the game. Now, they've got guys that's former players like Troy Vincent, players like that that's played the game that has to police it, that has to sit there and fill out their duty and their job to complete this. But it's not so much of like, hey, demonstrate to us really what you talk about instead of just suspending us indefinitely or whatever. But when we get back before we move on that, Tom Brady has spoken out on social media. And his, this isn't the first time Tom's had this take in regards to this subject. We'll get into it when we get back. You listen to the Sports Grind. Today's show is being presented by Dos Equis. Get a dose. We are broadcasting here from the Maestro de Bell Tequila Studios. Calvin Casey, Jonas Clark, producing Spin the One and Twos. We'll be back. When life sounds too much like this, it's time to consider more of this. Sometimes a little shift is all you need. A dose of perspective. Dos Equis Lager. Get a dose. Enjoy Dos Equis responsibly. Copyright 2021. Imported by Cervezas Mexicanas, White Plains, New York. Maestro Dobel Tequila was born from 11 generations of tequila-making legacy. It is sourced from a single estate in the volcanic lowlands of Jalisco, Mexico, using the finest 100% blue agave. Double distilled and aged in European white oak barrels, Maestro Dobel's commitment to innovation isn't only to discover new ways of distilling and aging, it's about elevating and crafting a superior tequila that is the essence of mastery. Maestro Dobel is the official tequila of the PGA Tour and an official sponsor of the sports grind. Please drink responsibly. It's time to warm up that scoreboard and get ready to bring home the win with Specs. Specs has you covered with lower prices on all your favorite fan fuel. 
From craft beer, rare spirits and world-class wine to chips, dips and gourmet finer foods. And with same-day delivery when you order online or through the app, Specs is your MVP for the biggest score of the game. At Specs, the fun starts here. Here's to you, cheers to savings. Just because the sun is setting earlier doesn't mean the fun stops sooner. Now is the perfect time to get to Specs and stock up on after-summer savings with fresh new releases in every category. Specs has Texas' largest selection of lower-priced wines, craft cocktail ingredients, and beers that'll have you raising a glass to every sunset. The biggest savings of the season are at Specs. The fun starts here. Whether you're looking for a date night at the Dominion or a light meal while shopping on the weekend, stop by Thai Lao Orchid at the Dominion. Just five minutes north of the shopping center, Thai Lao Orchid's Vietnamese options are great for dinner or lunch, serving up staples from curry and noodles to the house special Nam and Seafood Lovers steamed clay pot. They're open weeknights from 5 p.m. to 8 p.m. and noon till 9 on Saturdays and noon to 8 on Sundays. That's Thai Lao Orchid at the Dominion, official sponsor of the Sports Grind. <laughs> 